What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about season 20, not season 23, season 3, episode 23, Family Business. Oh, if only there were 23 seasons of Deep Space Nine. It could be like SVU. Just keep going on forever. It could be fun. How's it going, Mike? You know, Keith... We were talking a little bit off air about this, but I didn't get to share my bit of stuff. I So CEO Jen had, had started to come down with something at the la- end of last week. She's on the mend. They said it was a virus, but I don't think that can be true because I am feeling the general malaise of like fighting something off today. Also, it's kind of rainy and cloudy. It's a case of the Mondays. So we are both going to be just absolute great broadcasters today. <laughs> No, you know what? Here's the thing. Like, whatever you bring into the table, Deep Space Nine will lift us and make us happier. And by the end of the episode, we're both going to feel better. I promise. Okay. Hey, I'm with you. Because uh, we've got some Ferengi nonsense today. So that's going to be. Yeah, but underneath that nonsense, Keith, I think there's some some cutting social commentary some real yeah some real family pathos going on there. So we are going to talk about it. Don't you worry. But uh, before we do, we have to talk about last episode, Explorers, and what you thought of it. We had so many thoughts, so many feelings about Explorers, and guess what? So did you. Here are your ratings. Jason Moe gave it a 90. YouTube Viewer with a 79. Delusions at Noon with a 91. JD comes with a 95. Harry Pothead with an 85. Kevin Miles with an 87. You know, a lot of people mentioned that uh, it's not rated very high in IMDb. I think it's a very divisive episode. I think Mm. some people love it, like us. And then some people were like, "Eh, where were the pew-pews? Where were the crazy aliens? And uh, But a lot of interesting feelings, including... From our good friend and the super thanker who always gets their uh, their comments read because they leave us a super, I, I always say super tip, but really it's technically a super thanks mm-hmm. below mm-hmm. on the YouTube. So if you would like us to read yours, just leave us a little super thanks below and we will read your comments. And here is what Sans Deity says Explorers is an apt title for me since I just drove from Massachusetts to Michigan and just drove through both of your states to get there. Oof, that is a long drive. Mm. Keith, what's up with New Jersey and not pumping your own gas? Man, I wish I knew. It is so annoying because uh, I, I grew up in states that didn't, that you could just pump your gas like a, like a person, but New Jersey, nope. So you always like, it, it, like you have to like, Think about it ahead of time because you you know you want to give you want to tip the guy right. So I had to nobody does cash anymore. So I had to go to the bank and get an envelope full of one dollar bills like I'm going to the strip club. But that's just so that I can. My gas understanding my car. though, my dad used to well at least this understanding is less an understanding and more my dad because my dad. Yeah, well, your dad was at, sort of a jerk. No, my dad was a very cool guy. He was just <laughs> uh, he had some off upsetting beliefs. Uh, but for the most part, very, very good human. That's a contradiction. Anyway, he worked in Jersey, but we lived in Pennsylvania, so it was always weird mm. when we would go back and forth. But my understanding is that those uh, folks are actually paid very well f- as far as, like, your blue-collar kind of jobs go. And so 
the gratuity is not particularly necessary, I don't think. And also, you get the full service, you know, for your for your inconvenience. You get the, you get the the window wash. You get mm-hmm. the uh, the help if you need the tire air. So I mean, it's not there's there's some pros and cons to it. I haven't ever gotten any of those things. No. It's, it, do you like, fill it I, up, or do you, a... are you one of the guys who's like, give me twenty dollars? No, no, no. Fill, fill, fill it yeah, up. Yeah, fill it up. You're supposed to get the full service. No, no dice. But uh, <laughs> you know that that sort of rational. Oh, they're well paid. I had a friend of mine whose whose dad used to throw his trash out of the car window. He's like, oh, it gives people jobs. Yeah, well, that's the you know there was there was a meme going around about the movie theaters and people were throwing their popcorn and making trash so that the movie theater workers had work to do. That is that is asshole move. Don't be a garbage person. All right. So uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's so funny. He literally wrote anyway. I, I, he wrote my transition because he knew we Did were. Did he put talk in a couple interestings? That's interesting. It, that's a Keith Farney ism. You know what? I deserve that for taking a dick at your dad. Mm-hmm. All right. So. <laughs> That's interesting. uh, He says, anyway, I really enjoy this episode. I love the father-son dynamic. And as a father of a 10-year-old named Benjamin after Cisco, by the way. Well, that's a huge by the way. That's awesome. Uh, It made me look ahead to the coming time when my son will want to go off and do his own thing. I hope he makes time for me like Jake did. Oof. God, yeah. Something I truly enjoy and respect about Deep Space Nine is like is unlike any of the other series, they really delve into the interfamilial relationships. TNG had its one-off episodes, including brothers and brothers and or Troy and her mom, but DS9 showed us the bond between father and son and also husband and wife, and to a much deeper degree. That's what I really love about the Cisco father-son relationship, is that it truly is a father and son relationship. Mm. Good point. Many times on shows, even with good father-son relationships, it portrays the father being a good father and rarely shows the son being the one to demonstrate their affection they have for their father and the importance that they feel they have to their life. I feel that with Deep Deep Space Nine, it's actually a bit more shifted the other way and all to the good. No spoilers, but this is one of the many examples during the course of the show where Jake takes the effort to bond with his father or otherwise improve his life or mood and to otherwise be a good son. Really good point. The B story was good, but I felt it was a little too adjacent to the other Bashir storylines we've already had this season. Good point. Distant Voices and Profit Motive both dealt with similar themes in Bashir's insecurity and building up to his medical school history. This does add some salt to Bashir's character, but I feel like we've had that already and could have used the B story to focus on someone else and put their salt in there and add more layers to Bashir later on. My idea would have been to skip the Bashir story and flesh out the Jake-Keiko relationship more and show scenes of her enjoying his work or inspiring him to go to Pennington. That's a really good point. I would have loved to see her in that sort of motherly role for Jake, who has a great dad, but not a female influence to guide him. All right, I'll buy it. I like that. Uh, You could have kept the O'Brien is drunk scene, but maybe it's Keiko and Miles instead arguing, debating over their differing opinions concerning Jake. I know Rosalind Chow could pull pull it off far better than Alex Sitting did. Woof. This is an 88 self-sealing stem bolts, and hell yes, they are self-sealing. And I promise I won't hijack too many comments with Dark Tower stuff, but I have to say I love that Mike is a Dark Tower fan. I'm the biggest fanboy of it on the planet. Keith, I implore you to read them, but for both of you, I offer something even better. 
listen to the first four books read by Frank Muller. Oh, yeah, so he good. He is the greatest audiobook narrator of all time, and he truly transports you to the world of Roland, Eddie, Jake, Susanna, and Oi. I guarantee you'll love it. Anyway, I'll end this novel. Thanks, guys. No, thank you, Sanstiti. Yeah, you know, since you, you super tipped, I'll, I'll, I'll put in. I'm just going to say um, my heart is going pitter-pat because my niece, who is 15 years old for her birthday, she just turned 15, I got her a Kindle. She'd been reading just regular books. She's you know, she's into the sort of, uh, the you know, the smell and the, the heft. And I agree. I love having a, a book with me. But the Kindle does serve. And I, and I preloaded all of the Dark Towers on for her. And she is already three deep. In like Ooh. her birthday was June twelfth, so what are we a month in? So she is she is crushing Dark Tower, and uh, so she's been sending me little texts and and what does she say? She, what does she text me? I, I said something to her. I'm trying to remember what it was. Eh, regardless, and it was sort of like I'm sorry I can't do X Y Z, and she goes, "That's okay, Uncle Mike. There are other worlds than these." And I was like, mm. "Oh goodness, wow!" I'm pretty excited. So my heart my heart bursts. Thanks, Sons, always for writing it. Yes, indeed. All right. Oh, Keith, I, I should say, mm-hmm. as far as the the Bashir playing drunk scene, CEO Jen, who we know always gives high ratings, and she loved this episode too. She just watched it the other night. Of course, she loved it. The the Did she give a rating. Uh, well, she feels like she wants to wait until we sort of reboot the ratings or discuss uh, because she feels like she, now she's uh, she's overdone it. The one hundred and one has really. No, no, she loved no it. such thing as over. I think she'd we're, give this one a 90, 95 probably. She she was she didn't she give, not, didn't give me number. We're not rebooting anything. But she did mm-hmm. mention that scene. She gave that scene a wolf too. The playing drunk wo- scene. Well, I, but I I don't know if Alex said it drinks. Like I I don't I don't know like his I don't know his faith. It it might not allow that. It's so okay. It's Guess not what? something in his in his culture. Keith, so. Shocker to all. I'm mm-hmm. sure the two of us have had some clunker scenes in our lives. Ah, uh, indeed, and you know, I, I remember a time or two where, where uh, let's say Jen and I could have played that scene pretty accurately. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> right. Anyway, so uh, let us talk about Family Business, mm, yeah. which aired on May fifteenth, nineteen ninety-five. Oh, I was almost fifteen, mm, and uh, the top song continued to be "This Is How We Do It." Montel Jordan, Mike, let's let's hear a little "This Is How We Do It." I'd love to, Keith. This is how we do it. It's Friday night and the moon is right. I think I confused it with TGIF again. You sure did. You also said moon and the moon is right. The moon is right. I gotta moon tell you, I right. think somewhere in This is How We Do It, he says it's Friday night. It's Friday, Friday. No, right. I'm looking it up. You, you keep talking. All right, the top movie was Crimson Tide, the Denzel and uh, Gene Hackman movie. If you were watching television, you would have watched Star Trek Voyager, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. the episode Jatrell, which was a terribly bleak episode mm-hmm. of Voyager, uh, which I, I just... I don't think it was particularly successful, uh, but uh, you know, but you were watching it because it was Voyager. It didn't really matter. Keith, rather than telling you what else was on TV, I would like to take this moment to just give a quick dramatic reading of the first verse of This Is How We Do It. Okay? Oh, okay, great. Everybody sit down. Intro, background chatter. This is how we do it. 
Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la-lo. Sha-ba-da-lo-lo-lo. Whoa. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. It's Friday night, and I feel all right. The party is here on the west side. So I reach for my 40 and I turn it up. Designated driver, take the keys to my truck. Hit the shawl, cause I'm faded. Honeys in the street say, Monty, yo, we made it. It feels so good in my hood tonight. The summertime skirts and the guys in canny. All the gangbangers forgot about the drive-by. You gotta get your groove on before you get paid. So tip up your cup and throw your hands up and let me hear the party say. This is how we do it. Okay. All right. Well, there, there, there you go. Uh, that. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I can't. I was trying Keith to find is stalling. the. Uh, <laughs> no, I was. I was trying to find the. Uh, Keep saying lyric sentence while looking for something is my favorite thing. I think because there's <laughs> just it's just riddled with ellipses and no connection to the conversation taking place. <laughs> I'm such a good actor. <laughs> All right, so our weekly world news headline is, and we'll watch Mike search for something, because I don't know if he's loaded he it. it. A UFO downs oh, a fighter jet. Oh, my goodness. Luckily, the pilot ejects in a split second before the flying saucer turns the The MiG-29. most spectacular alien attack ever photographed, and I have to say, probably the most realistic and maybe downright truthful headline <laughs> The Weekly World News has ever said. Except for I'm not, you know, I I, I could be wrong about this. I'm not a uh, a fighter jet, uh, you know, uh, plane expert. But I have seen Top Gun. I don't think that's a MiG. That mm. looks like an F-14 or something to me. But I could be wrong. I, I would bet money that you are probably wrong. <laughs> I have no idea. It looks like Starscream. That's the closest I can give you from the Transformers. Oh. Well, that, but that was, or, or, uh. Sky Scream or what was what was the GI Joe one? I, I forget. Anyway, yeah. let's uh, let's move forward, and we got to talk about who directed this episode. Yeah, of course we do. Yeah, because uh, I, I who is now becoming a, a Ferengi expert, mm-hmm. and that is Rene Aubergenois coming back to direct wow. this one after directing Profit Motive, the last Ferengi episode that we did. I think he just likes directing his buddy. Yeah. So uh, he always gives so himself like that one half scene cameo too. Oh yeah, well I mean he's got to write something, or yeah, he, he didn't write it. It's just, but he uh, he's got to film himself a little bit. But he, I'm sure he's excited because he didn't have to be in makeup for more than a couple of hours. It's a good week. This episode was written by Ira Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Uh, some of the big kids coming in. Ira Stephen Bear working hard to rescue the Ferengi uh, from the the horror of their portrayal in the next generation. Uh, which means, Mike, it's time for something trivial. What do you say? Now, Keith, waste your time with trivial trivia. All right. So, uh, composer Jay Chataway mentioned that this was his lightest score of the series. Only six minutes of music. Huh. Uh, which is interesting because it is... It is sort of like a family drama that I, I think Renee <clears throat> wisely didn't overdo with music, uh, but ended up being almost no music in the uh, in the show at all. 
For the shot of the naked Moogie, they didn't have time to do a full foam latex appliance uh, over her shoulders and chest. So get this, they rubberized Kleenex and just laid it across her chest. Huh. Uh, just dip it in rubber and flop it on her, which, uh, you know, should uh, not be a giant surprise. My new favorite t-shirt of Keith, just mm-hmm. laid in rubber and flop it on her. <laughs> I didn't even mean that to sound as disgusting as it was. <laughs> That's going on the soundboard. Gr- <laughs> just Great. lay it in rubber and flop it on <laughs> Keith's Guide to Dating. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I think I think that's going to be it for my I think my my dating days are pretty much done. Hmm. So uh unless Jake hooks you up. Yeah, I know. I need Jake as a wingman. Yeah, he's pretty I got to say. I thought they were setting us up for like a, a comedic resolution to the Jake told everybody, but no, she's pretty awesome. We'll get there. Yeah, well, yes, for sure. Uh anyway, after after what are what did we do to her? With, 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 we, we threw rubber on I forget we, my, my oh, own we, quote. We throw rubber on it and lay it on her. Something like that. Yeah, well, uh, not a shock. Andrea Martin did not enjoy this process. Mm. And the, uh, the Oh, makeup. that's Andrea Martin. That's Andrea Martin. I knew I knew her. I just couldn't put it on, and I didn't see it on the, the credits. SCTV legendary Broadway Andrea Martin. Uh, did you see her in Young Frankenstein on Broadway? Yes. I did as well. She's excellent in everything. The, uh, the, we see or we hear about the new runabout, the Rubicon, replacing the Mekong, which was destroyed in Day of Daya's cast, which we mentioned in the script. Uh, of course, they name all of the, all of the runabouts, which keep getting exploded every 10 seconds after Rivers. Now, another thing that's mentioned in the trivia, although, and I was like, oh, I was excited to see it. Keith, Rivers it belong be- where they can ramble. Eagles Belong Where They Can Fly, a lyric from Pippin, which also starred Andrea Martin. There it is. And John Rubinstein. Mm-hmm. All right. So, a great American uh, hero. But there it is. So uh, in the trivia here, and I think this might have been just put in the wrong place. No. Uh, great American hero, s- William Cat took over for John Rubinstein on the tour. Sorry. you don't. Nobody cares. Nobody move, cares. Move forward. Um, Let the record be straight. The trivia mentions that we see some of the Playmates action figures in this episode. Is Jillian singing? Uh, it, yes, she has a self-tape. Oh, yeah, so well. we're going to be listening to All By Myself <laughs> over and over again as this happens. You can't gate out greatness. <laughs> There's another t-shirt. Yeah, she's great. Uh, so we're supposed to be hearing, uh, we're supposed to be seeing one of the Playmates figures of the Ferengis redress. I think that's from another episode, because I did not notice that. Anyway, uh, also, Cassidy mentions that her brother lives and plays baseball on Cestus 3, which had previously appeared in the original series episode, Arena. Hmm. The fact that there is once again human colonists living on the planet suggests that the Federation and the Gorn hegemony finally put aside their differences in the interim between the two episodes. The baseball team he plays for, Cassidy's brother, is the Pike City Pioneers, presumably named after the character of who? Captain Pike. Christopher Pike from the 
the cage, and of course now uh, strange new better than show. the uh, the uh, the future name for the the retcon name for the team, which is the ants and mount Mies. The Royal Canadian Mount Mies. <laughs> the silver right. foxes. Oh, we could okay. have a blast with this. <laughs> so the uh, yeah the 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 uh, the Mike fighting hall passes. <laughs> All right, so uh, lastly, the ceiling light, the big, huge ceiling thing in Ishka's room is an inverted Ferengi starship helm and mm -hmm. navigational control. They have that sort of dome thingy that they play with. And so that's, we, they basically turn that into the light fixture in her apartment, which I thought was I thought her apartment cool. dress was really cool too. Really cool. Yeah. And, and obviously lots of Lord of the Rings references. Um, but Lord of the Rings nerds wrote this. Uh, you want to know who else uh, might be nerds? That's the, no, I, hold on. I had a good transition, then I blew it. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, we we got I got interrupted. All right, let's talk. Let's just let's just move forward. Keith and trying to patrons. keep his composure while having to talk over the singing is going to be worth the price it's, of admission here. It's 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 really something. Mike, you might have to take over. Yeah, uh, probably not a better idea. <laughs> Why don't you thank our patrons? You know, Keith, you know who else makes our hearts sing? There you go. The patrons. Who doesn't? Who never leaves us all by no, ourselves? No, In fact, they probably want to be left all by themselves while listening to this episode. Brian, Kimberl, Beersock, oh Casey Clark, Jason, Mo, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and the Mysterious Wharf's big old boot shivs, Charles Babbage, Richard Coleman, good friend Harry Pothead, uh, who also said we could call him by his actual name, but I don't know. We've oh, sort of come. Well, see, I asked, uh, well, I, I, but I didn't actually look up to see what the response yeah, was. Yes, no, no, nor did I remember to tell you. CRM Productions, Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky's, but he said Harry Potter had's fine as long as we we're okay with saying it on the internet every week. And there's nothing we won't say on the internet every week. <laughs> We've already proven that. Like <laughs> Delusions six times at noon. Today. Steve Brown, YouTube viewer, JD makes Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell, CRM, Pat, and our friend Joshua Cronin, who's bringing all of the Bajoran looks at his. Las Vegas Star Trek Con. Uh, we thank them. They get me watching all the episodes, even when I'm having a case in the Mondays. They get us talking over Star Trek V. They get some AMAs, which we got to do pretty soon. And we're doing, I think we decided we're going to do Wrath of Khan, Keith. So we're going to be posting that up there pretty soon. We're going to be watching some more animated series. We got a lot of stuff coming up in the fall. Don't sweat it. You can join the team at patreon.com slash K and M. Yes, indeed. And in case you're wondering, it's Matthew Sharnweber mm. is Harry Pothead revealing himself. Uh, although I feel like it should be Sean Weber. I don't know, because it, it feels, feels uh, is it German? Seems seems German. I took German once. Not good. All right, let us Keith's now. slow descent into madness this week <laughs> is giving me life I didn't know I needed today. See, I told you you were going to feel better <laughs> at the end of the episode because I feel worse. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just be like, you know, just reveling in my misery. You know That's what's great. funny is it's the opposite of Jen and I. So Jen and I, like, we we adopt each other's energy. So whoever has the strongest place. So if, like, she's in a really – that's generally not her. It's generally me. If I'm, like, really grumpy, she – it just overtakes her and she becomes grumpy. Or, you know, if mm -hmm. one of us is just exuberant, the other person sucks it up. You and I are the direct opposite. It's like a siphoning of <laughs> a gas can. <laughs> If you, do uh, do you watch what we do in the shadows? Yeah, oh, so good. You're 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 basically what's his name? Well, uh, uh, 
Somebody Robinson. Uh, yes. Uh, anyway, you, you Colin you Robinson. Suck, Colin's, you're Colin Robinson <laughs> me right now. <laughs> That's a hundred percent what's yeah, happening. hundred percent. All right. So our guest stars this week. Uh, welcome to the show, Penny Johnson as Cassidy Yates. Did you? Uh, she did you watch Twenty Four? Twenty Four. The first season of Twenty Four. Uh-huh. She is phenomenal on that season. Uh, but she did this first, and uh, and that was really excited to it. Do you of think course, true or false? She she yeah. stole one of those plastic crates with her name with her character name on them to like have in her collection. Hundred percent. hundred percent. I would have. I would like be decorating my entire basement with that. Uh, Max Grodenchik is back as Rom. Uh, and uh, guess what? Jeffrey Combs is back as Brunt. Now, do you remember who Jeffrey Combs played the first time on the show? Keith, I can't say that I do. He was the really pervy alien trying to get the hollow sweet image of Kira. Mm, mm-hmm. Totally different character, but Jeffrey Combs is back as Brunt. And guess what? Uh, this is not even everybody's favorite Jeffrey Combs character. So okay. hold on to We'll your continue butt. to comb through the catalog until we get to that. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think I just took a little bit back. <laughs> Shall we, Keith? It's just like a tennis match of misery. But of course, we have to talk about Andrea Martin oh, yeah. here creating the role of Ishka or Moogie, uh, the legendary actress Andrea Martin. Uh, you know, will we see Moogie again? Who knows? Let's find out. But before we do that, we have to talk about this episode in a little screening room that sounds like this. The- <laughs> <laughs> Just hit the button! I'm all broken because I have to go to the doctor tomorrow. I don't like doctors, okay? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to have to go, too, I think. Yeah, well, we get, you know, we're, we're in our 40s now. We got to get, you know, when something goes wrong, you got to get it checked. You can't just rub some dirt in it. Did you confirm? Is Jill's working on that thing with me in two weeks? Do we know for sure? Uh, and I forgot to ask. Well, you, you care. I, uh, so much. I could text her. You, you could. Well, she was going to text you, but then she didn't want to, so... <laughs> Wait, so you have discussed it. Yeah, but I but here's the thing. I don't really remember what either one of you says. So being the one in the middle, I like half remember both of the things from either side. Oh man, this is great stuff. She texted Jen like two weeks ago. It's a whole thing of texts and circles and nobody. Well, Mike, talk- it should not surprise you. Everybody likes Jen better. Yeah, that's fair. And everybody likes her better. So and here we are. Here you show. and I are with the show that uh no one likes better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in our teaser, Cisco now sporting his correct goatee. Yeah, you're right. I, I stand corrected f- from last week. Is hooking, is, is cooking Hungarian food. See when I get, see when I get a little flustered, I start transposing words as mm-hmm. I'm reading ahead. Mm-hmm. He's cooking Hungarian food after a successful negotiation. Jake comes in with good news. Cassidy Yates is here, and he wants to invite her over for dinner. Now Cisco's a little nervous. 
I I I love the fact that Cisco gets nervous here. Mm-hmm. It's subtle, but it is makes him very uh, very human, very relatable. That he's like he's nervous about a date. Yeah, I understand. I'm gonna yeah. be in the same position. Meanwhile, no, 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 no. Keith, is... Keith, Keith, you're not in the same position. Keith. Cisco has a date. <laughs> I'm sorry. Should I stop? <laughs> and, also, and also, his wife is dead and not singing her face off two floors above. <laughs> Literally belting a G sharp. And yet, Keith, mm. you're the one all by yourself. I am truly, truly. We're all. <laughs> In this cold, dark world, we're all by ourselves, buddy. Oh, what a family drama that we're spitting on this episode of family drama. Whew. Meanwhile, Quarks is packed, and Nog has the night off studying for his Starfleet exams. That's cool. Because uh, it's it's a great little piece of storytelling, and also they don't have to pay him. Well, it also reminds you, remember the last time we talked about him going to Starfleet was when Rom started to assert his assertiveness. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Uh, which is going to come back into play this episode. So it is a great little, also like a, a hidden previously on. And a great assertion by you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Quark is annoyed because he needs the help. And he's worried that uh, Nog going off might start the end of the Ferengi civilization once all the Ferengi kids want to join Starfleet and lose the Ferengi ethics. Then, uh-oh, a Ferengi arrives named Liquidator Brunt. Welcome to the show. He is from the FCA, or the IRS, essentially. And he's doing an audit of Quarks, and it's Jeffrey Combs back in role number two. Uh, very exciting to have him here. So uh, that's our uh-oh going into act one where Brunt starts doing his audit, and he questions Quark about the fact that he's clearly hiding assets, including the Tulaberry Wine franchise we set up in Season 2. Remember that, Mike? Mm-hmm, I do. After the appropriate bribe, we find out that Quark is being charged with violating Ferengi trade laws, and thus he is accountable for the crimes of their mother, and she has earned profit as a female gasp. So Quark goes to Odo to tell him to look after the bar. He's going back home to deal with the FCA. And Quark needs to get his mother to confess her crimes and make reparations. Keith, do you think Jillian's going to get us demonetized this week? (laughs) Oh, now you care about being demonetized. (laughs) You're like, oh, come on. Let's just, why don't we just show the entire endgame on the show? It takes me away. It's funny because many songs they don't even scrape, but that one makes so much money that they're like, oh, no, we want our piece from that. Christopher Cross. Absolutely. Well, hey, look, enjoy your 19 cents. So uh, That's way too much. That's true. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, basically we're we're reinforcing just how, like, awful the Ferengi and misogynistic the Ferengi culture is. This whole thing is predicated yes. that a woman cannot make, do anything in business. Like, she can't talk to strangers, obviously not wearing clothes. It's really hard, I mean, I guess we'll talk about it more at the end, but it is hard to understand, like, how they invented warp drive with a culture this backwards. Yeah, um, I think that's the kind of glaring problem. Now, I look, an episode, 45-minute episode can't fix 
clearly a historically systemic issue on a planet, right? So we can't... Like, almost a decade of lore. So they're like, okay, well, we'll have to, like, deal with it within this family, but then you get into the whole thing about... And we'll talk about all of this a little bit, is, well, if something is morally okay, like, morally justified, and I think we can agree that a woman having... doing financial business deals is morally acceptable, Keith. I think we can be Whoa. make the blanket statement there. Wow. Big statement. But if it's illegal on your planet, right, <clears throat> or your world or your, your civilization, wh- what should you do with those profits? Is it okay for them to keep them? Like, there's a lot of interesting conversation we had about that. However, ultimately, I think this episode lives or dies by, in my opinion, where does where are we where do we leave quark because he has some are his apparently boneheaded opinions about such things really about how he feels about women or is it about is it something about his dad and his does he have mommy daddy issues <laughs> really that's yeah. what it comes down to well absolutely and and of course like you're 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 raised in a culture to believe one thing but you also have this personal family subtext happening as well um, it leaves Quark in, a, in an interesting place, and I and I like sort of challenging that. But, uh, but, but also, then we have much to get into. W- yeah. And we joked about this, you know, with the <clears throat> with the with the gas station guys thing. But even spending forty five minutes in on what's the planet called Ferengi? For, uh, Ferenginar. Ferenginar. It's it's so tedious. Literally everything you do, if. We think our capitalism is bad, but if everything you do is predicated upon, okay, this you got to tip for, that you got to tip for, this you got to give some Latinum, you got to you got to pay this guy off. It almost it almost strange credulity that there is any sort of governing body of this, right? Well, How would I you mean, govern the, all of that? Well, I mean, I I think sort of the kleptocracy, the um, you know whatever, like there are plenty of cultures like that, and you know I I you know, obviously the concept of the Ferengis are like, you know, capitalism and greed taken to the absolute furthest extent of it. Um, but, you know, tipping everything and bribing everything, uh, you know, I have Italian relatives who are like, that's exactly how it is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we head to Ops and Cisco and Kira discuss the new runabout, the Rubicon, before Dax corners Cisco and asks, have you seen Cassidy yet? And she says, uh, if she were still Curzon, she would have stolen her from you already. So, uh, thumbs up for Cassidy, uh, from Dax. Later, Rom tells Quark that he's going to come along on the trip home. Quark is annoyed that Rom is coming home because he always takes their mother's side. But he agrees to let him go. So we're going to learn a lot about the brother-brother relationship here. Um, and this, you know, family dynamics, there's always one who sides with the parents, and there's always one who doesn't. I'm uh, definitely int- the Rom. You are, do you always side with with your Moogie? Uh, I don't know if I side with her, but I feel like <clears throat> I often have to be, play Switzerland within my family dynamics, which I think is what well, Rom's, yes. Rom's kind of part and parcel yeah, is Yeah, no, I've, I'm, I have always, I've, traditionally been the Rom as well. Although sometimes I'm Quark. Sometimes I'm Rom, you know? I find myself having to Quark a little bit harder these days, which is tough for me, but... Well, here we are. Well, I don't know. We're going to devolve into some real talk now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in Act 2, we see Ferenginar for the first time on Trek. 
Uh, really cool to see it. It's stormy and gloomy, hence all of the beetles and slugs to eat and why they, uh, you know, sort of live in that world. Quark walks through a hobbit door and into his childhood home with Rom and Brunt. And of course, there is an admission fee to enter the home. Hilarious. The house is full of expensive new stuff, and Rom finds his childhood tooth sharpener. And and I thought this was a great little, like, family dynamic thing. Quark points out uh, that he didn't have a tooth sharpener when he was a kid. He just had a chew stick, mm-hmm. uh, which is a conversation that I think anybody with older or younger sub- siblings have had at some point. It's actually, it's it's perfect, perfectly true, because if you ever have, if you know or ever speak to uh, <clears throat> uh, a, a, an only child... It's interesting to me that regardless of how long you've been friends or shared or even different in, different conversations in politics or whatnot, there's like a basic set of facts and experiences the majority of us have, especially with your friends you grew up with, except for the sibling dynamic. If you don't have siblings, mm. it is an alien thing to people. Like, <clears throat> it is so weird to talk to only children because they just don't get the sort of even though you know there's no parity parity in relationships with your siblings, you still feel like there should be. And even in your 40s, you're fighting over in- inequities that you, you perceived when you were 11 years old and different stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, because you have that, that, that competition that, like, runs through your entire existence. Mm-hmm. You know, with your, it's either, like, a hard competition or, like, a soft competition – uh, and you're always going to be relitigating things with your parents, but I think relitigating stuff with your siblings is its own particular flavor. Yeah. And because at first you're like fighting over resources, like I want more of the pancakes or whatever. And then later you're fighting over who gets less responsibility. I want more resources and less responsibility later. Uh, it's interesting. Anyway, uh, Brunt says... We've got three days to get this confession. And so Quark's objective here is to get his mother to confess to her crimes. But this is when Moogie arrives. She's there and she's not confessing to anything. And horrors, she's wearing clothes. And Brunt is horrified. And she talks to him, which is also horrifying to Brunt, which causes him to leave. Uh... I mean, we've set up the whole like Ferengi women aren't aware, aren't allowed to wear clothes before. We're not allowed to speak directly to other men who aren't their husbands or children. Yeah, I mean, look, there are places in the world and cultures that sort of have a similarly draconian way of doing it, but it's it's just hard to imagine a society functioning like that. But it does. Well, this stuff happens. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it's hard as a compassionate human being, but there's no difference between show all of yourself, right? You need to be naked versus hide all of yourself. We yeah. can't, we don't want to see any of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I and mean, it's, I'm it's not just, making it's a judgment a on of the yeah, same coin. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. We're not, uh, we're not but, wading into that, but, but truth be told, it's, it's, it's not, it's not as, as, as much as my jaw was on the floor in these beats, I had to pick it up because I'm like, Oh, this is not that yeah. alien. It's, it's, yeah. So, any, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the depiction is cartoonish, 
but our behavior sometimes are, are, is cartoonish. Yeah. Uh, and at least it can be comedy here and not horror in I real mean, life. I mean, Saudi anyway. women got the right to drive last year, two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, anyway, clearly Moogie and Quark do not get along. Uh, and uh, we head back to the promenade. And O'Brien and Bashir are breaking into Quark's to get their dartboard back. Uh, sort of a silly beat here. And the only nugget that I think is useful is Odo points out that Rom's lock is incredibly complicated. And we're sort of reinforcing what Rom is good at. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be business. Dude is a terrific engineer. Um, and so even O'Brien is having a hard time breaking through his his lock. The other beat that I thought was cool here is, you know, I got corrected. Uh, one of our viewers educated me that, hey, it's not so crazy that Ben would build a ship so quickly last week. He's, don't forget, he's like an excellent engineer himself. Yeah. yeah. And he does, he, he drops some knowledge here too. He's like, oh, that's a something, something, something technobabble lock. You're going to have trouble with that. Peace. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, he's baller. He's OG. Yeah, he knows he knows what's what. The uh, but the whole but the we need to break into Quarks to get our dartboard seemed to be weird to me, but okay. I, I think they just They I, needed I three minutes. We're 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 paying Colomini to be in this episode. Damn if not we're we're not gonna use them. Dude, but the, it also the gives O'Brien Bashir of it all is one of the biggest turnarounds. I mean, they he hated Bashir and now they are like bosom buddies every week but look at us we we go between being bosom buddies and I hating each other like two or three times a I day a stark dislike is not a hatred okay <laughs> just a general disdain and lack yeah. of respect I mean I don't you know <laughs> you're not important enough to hate yeah oh that's a good one I can remember that <laughs> what was that I wasn't listening okay <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh, however, this scene does give everyone an opportunity to tease Cisco about his date, which is funny. Uh, everyone knows, and Ben is bemused by this. Which but isn't I don't think actually it's... set yet, right? He hasn't actually asked her out yet. No. Yeah. No, but, you know, Jake has been going around talking to everybody. Jake's a bit of a gossip, guys. Mm, turns out. Uh, yeah. I like him anyway. So uh, we go back to Moogie's house, and Quark has arrived. Uh, Rom arrives with chilled tube grubs for dinner and says Moogie isn't feeling well. Quark says maybe we can get her declared insane. That's that's not a bad way to handle it. And uh, Quark complains that she hasn't even chewed up the tube grubs for them and uh, mentions that she didn't do that when we were kids either. And they got teased as children because their mother was so different from other Ferengi women, a feminist in a misogynistic world. Um, You know, this is another thing that feels so real. Mm -hmm. The sort of like arguing with your siblings about the limitations of of your parents and how they were different and how that got teased, but maybe looking back on it, maybe that was a good thing, maybe it wasn't. You have one one kid who thinks that, you know, it was a bad thing, another understanding that I don't know it was felt very felt very lived in felt very real even though we're talking about chewing freaking tube grubs as the metaphor mm-hmm. the concept of it well really because as a kid you're looking through you're judging them based on a set of a, a rule set established 
either by society or by your other parent or by what your friend's parents do. I mean, it's just such a, a you're viewing it through so many different skewed prisms. And then as an adult, you're still kind of using, because you've formulated your sort of whole motivations, like Quark left because uh, his dad, he couldn't, his mom wasn't in, he couldn't make his mom proud and his dad was a failure or his, but he blamed his mom for that. So he moved, like you look at all of that mess. I mean, if you start clearing through it, you're like, oh, what really was, maybe my mom was a badass through all well, of that. Well, a hundred percent. And also I, I think because as a, as a child, you just, you have to be <laughs> for a survival, be incredibly self-centered mm-hmm. and and sort of selfish and i'm you know quark is only thinking about these behaviors through how it affects him mm-hmm. and not even questioning why she might be doing this or not doing that um and so i think that and that that childhood level of self-absorption we don't really take into the regular part of the world you know we we you know i enter i go i go and get the gas not with that sort of childhood sense of selfishness. But when you go home sometimes, it kicks back in. That's the environment you were created in. And so you have to be really diligent about like, all right, what piece of me am I bringing to the table when I go home? I mean, the, the complexities of going and visiting home, I mean, I mean, that's endless for everybody. Well, yeah, and, and also dynamics... <clears throat> When I hang out with my sister or my brother, we have a very, individually, we have very sort of, it's more the relationship we have developed as adults, right? Because relationships change as you get older, hopefully, if you're lucky. But when we go to my mom's house or when we all three of us are inhabiting the same space, we very quickly fall back into like just paths that have been, trails that have been blazed years and years ago. My sister and I often joke about it because my brother, in his family and in his job, his world is delegation, right? He's the oldest brother, so he tells us mm-hmm. what to do. In his job, he's a principal, so he tells people what to do. He puts balls into motion. And sometimes, you know, we'll just be at a party hanging out, and, and he'll be like, go oh, go get me a beer, whatever, blah, blah, whatever it is, whatever minutia it is. And my sister and I have to remind each other, we don't have to just do what he says, Right, like right. we are auto- autonomous human beings, adults. Like he doesn't get to be the boss just because he's the oldest, and we did it when we were kids. But it's just ingrained. Yes. Well, and the 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 roles that you play within the family, the you know that sometimes the role, sometimes it's the way you've been cast. Oh, you're the mm-hmm. whatever one. You're mm-hmm. the whatever one. And to watch Quark and Rom immediately fall back into these dynamics in yeah. the house, which. There's a lot of similarity to their dynamic out in the real world at the bar, but it's a little bit different once you add the mother to the equation and we start seeing some of the subtext. Like, it's it's good writing. It is, I because mean, like, Quark has clearly grown up to this point in the show. He's he's loosened a little bit in some of those beliefs. He's, he's lightened up with his brother. He has grown, but the second they went back home, he's, like, almost monstrous. In his well, and uh, absolutely, and and I think because part of the role that he's cast in, right, in in Ferengi society, and the, in the way that he works, and, and we've seen this a little bit before, how we handled with um, uh, in uh, profit motive and and a couple of other things, he's kind of a pretty progressive mm-hmm. Ferengi, you know, in in terms of the 
Ferenginar and his culture, he's pretty out there, being pretty, pretty progressive. But within his own family, he's the hardcore conservative within his own family. And so, like, his role is flipped here. And and it's a really, it's it's interesting to see that continually be challenged. Last point on it, and then we'll move forward. Also, you know, when you go to your high school reunion or you're going to meet up with the old old family people or you go home, despite yourself sometimes, and maybe sometimes not in spite of yourself, there's this feeling of I need to show what I've done or not for everyone, but for a good portion of people. I've got to prove that I've made something of myself or I've got to show that I've made some movement. And, and Quark, I think, is feeling a lot of that here. And also because of what we learn about the family dynamic, he's got to feel like, well, my dad wasn't a great businessman, but I've become one. And I and he's right. and he's doing that not just through here's how well my bar is doing, but he's trying to assert himself as sort of the head of the family here. And it's it's uh, well, it's not going to go well. It's no, and it's it's all very layered for the silliness of the context. Mm-hmm. But uh, at 15, this episode is not hitting the way it no, would hit now. At 15, I'm bored to tears. Yeah. Well, they're kind of funny it. looking and it's kind of cool. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no. I mean, I don't think I had any appreciation for these type of episodes when I was first watching it. Uh, anyway, Quark wants to put her in her place when she arrives. Apparently, she made some investments and earned some profits three bars of latinum, which is very much against the law. Rom says uh, he misses their father, and they kind of do a full take to camera, which I didn't quite understand what that take was and why that, what that was supposed to mean. Are you looking at me? Well, it's not even that one. Uh, I, I bet you got it because they held on it for a while. Because we get, yes, here. So this shot here, and then, and then, uh, Quark and Moogie do a take to camera after he says that. It's very strange. Um, Anyway, we learn that if she doesn't confess to her crime and make reparations, they're going to sell her into indentured servitude. Jesus. Yeah, this is, that one got dark. That one got dark. Uh, Yeah. Oof. But, you know, we also, we used to have debtor's prison, which is. We sure did. Ostensibly, not the same thing. But you could like, you could jail off your debt. Yeah, I mean there was a uh, in in Vermont, like driving around the woods, like there was there was like poor farm road, where that was basically what that was. It's just like, oh god. Look, I would, I and I, I will not make light of. I watch enough prison shows. Like one of my biggest fears, literal biggest fears, would be going to prison, just because it's just such a universe I want nothing to do with. But if you were like, hey that student loan that nobody's going to help you with two years in like a Martha Stewart jail. I think about it. No. Well, there you go. So, uh, you heard it here first. Mike wants to go to Martha Stewart jail. (laughs) I started getting these really weird emails. Keith, people making me all kinds of indecent proposals. I mean, Hey, if you got an indecent proposal from Martha Stewart, (laughs) And she'd pay off your student loans? I think that's a hard yes, yes? What's, what's, what are we cooking together or we're cooking together? I said indecent proposal. I think uh, cooking together would be a decent proposal. Oh, I'll show her the paprika if she's going to give, <laughs> if she's going to get rid of my student loans. Wow. 
Anyway, wow. uh, this was such a, a, a fascinating conversation. It's it's a shame we're not going to be able to put it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Quark begs her to confess for mainly selfish reasons, and she can't. And for her reasons, and he accuses her of being selfish. Interesting. So in Act Three, I have Mom to tell you, Mugi- sorry, I'm so <sighs> sorry, but you know we've had to put our fatty on a diet, our fat cat. Char- mm-hmm. um, I was about to call him Charlie. Tuxy's coming. But Keith, do you know what he's been doing? So we've been picking up the food and, and regulating the food. It is literally crazy. He's licking pillows. He's licking the wall. He's now chewing on the back of my chair. Now he's on the desk looking for something. He's just, he's like, for only five cents a day, you can feed. <laughs> you cannot feed this portly cat. <laughs> I mean, he's just licking things. Trying to get some sustenance. He's so hungry. <laughs> I feel the same way, buddy. Oh, my God. So in Act 3, Ram and Moogie visit her bedroom. He's uncomfortable because she's wearing clothes. This scene is weird. <laughs> she takes... A- <laughs> Leave it there. She takes her clothes off and makes him feel better. Oof, that's not a sentence I wanted to write. Uh, he tries to talk her into signing the confession for Quark. It, it's not even the. It's not even the, the, the. I mean, the subject matter is weird, but it's the line reads here too. She's like, "Would you feel better if I take off my clothes?" And he's like, "Yes." I was like, "This is weird." I thought she was gonna. He was gonna suckle her for a moment. It was just weird. Oh God, <laughs> dude, it's it was weird. Okay, it was weird. I, but sometimes I, you just gotta lay on the rubber and give it to her. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. I mean, like I understand. Gross. You I, said it. I don't remember what I said. I was confused. Anyway, like I get what they're, I get the subtext there. I get what they're, I get what she's doing. I get the, um, like I'm going to compromise my own integrity a little bit because it will make you comfortable. Like it, it, it is in actuality, like a, 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 a generous gesture for her. Um, but it's just real weird out of context. Uh, you have to really. Yep, yeah, it would make more sense if she did it for Quark, but for Rom, I mean, I guess he's the well, he's the one Rom? that was more emotionally sensitive to it. But I, I think is Rom is obviously more emotionally sensitive, and I and, and I think that the message there is that Rom was also raised in that environment mm-hmm. and is also just sort of you know dealing with how his whole world and like he's he's like I get it. I, I think there's something uh, there's something deep about it being Rom and not Quark because he's like I get it, I agree with you, yeah. but it still makes me a little uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and and I think that that's a it, the, it's it's interesting because you know there are certainly parallels out there that um it it, it shows a great deal of compassion on both of their sides that he's not asking for it, but you know, she's I, offering. I'm sorry to. Man, this has become a lot more therapy than I expected this episode to. But I think about, you know, I ha- a, a, a conversation I had with my mom not long ago. It, it, it was an argument, actually. And because my mom, is, because of a lot of the trauma and stuff she's gone through, it's very hard for her to speak or behave with any sort of emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. But But that wasn't. When we were kids, it was the direct opposite, right? Like if you got a boo boo or you a girl hurt your heart or whatever, she'd sit on the rocking chair with you and just like just hold you and rock you, right? Which, to, mm. in my brain, is still just like the ultimate. 
I've never felt more safe or comforting in my, in my life. And I remember trying to talk to my mom about something just within weeks ago, and she was like, what do you want me to say? You know that that's not who I am. I can't talk like that. I can't say those kind of things. And I said to her, but you used to be. Mm. My, when I think of you in my head, that's what I see. And I guess here, right, so even, so when my my brother's dog died, even though it was hard for my mom to do, we forced, she had to go and give him a hug and like be, be what she used to be. And it was incredibly mm. hard for her, but she did it for him. And I'm guess, I'm now putting to myself that that's what this scene is, right? She's putting herself in an incredibly vulnerable and probably place that she doesn't want to be in and feels uncomfortable in, but she's doing it for to me. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I think that's a great analogy. The analogy that I was thinking of, it's like going with your grandma to church, even though you no longer believe, mm. to make her comfortable, you know, like, and, and she knows you don't buy it, and you know, but you're going there because it's something that makes her feel safe, makes her feel whatever. And I think even though it goes against your own morality, even, you know, like, let's say that church was fighting against, you know, something that is important to you. And you're like, I don't want to support them. I don't want to go there, but I understand this important. So I'm going to do it. I think that's what she's doing here. Um, sort of like compromising one integrity for another one. I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, he uh, he asks her to try to to sign for Quark and defends Quark and says you should see the bar, he's doing great, and she points out I'm not allowed to travel. Oof, crazy. Um, and she's now vulnerable with him, mm -hmm. and she admits this isn't about the money. You know, apparently her income is from Quark, and that Quark is generous with the stipend, but for her this is about prize pride. And if she confesses, she'll be admitting that she's doing something wrong and that there's something wrong with females making profit, um, thus setting aside the stakes here, which really sets up a difficult situation here. And, and of course, we're on her side. And uh, and I, I, I really like her sort of breaking down and, and being able to tell this to him, but not to Quark. <laughs> I also really like the beat for, for Rom, too, because... It does reestablish because what we kind of only know about Ferengis is sort of the only thing that matters is your your business proclivity. But here, not only is he a great engineer, which we already know, but they're setting once again the sights that he's a really loyal and good family member. He cares yeah. about both of them. He's trying to broker a deal for both of them uh, to create establish a peace for not just his comfort, but for for everybody involved. So I think it's really special that he's doing that. Yeah, he's a, he's. <laughs> It's interesting how they wrote him in the first season because he did try to murder his brother once, but uh, we, we pretend that didn't happen. It's all about growth, Because this Rob is much better. It's all about growth. They'll grow. If you ain't changing, uh, speaking, you ain't living. Speaking of things that grow, uh, she sharpens his teeth in a in what is an intimate gesture for Ferengis. So we go to the cargo bay, and we meet Captain Cassidy Yates. My goodness, she's there supervising her team, loading her ship with biomatter. And look, her name is everywhere. I, it's really funny. I, this is literally the first time I had ever noticed that she has her own branded storage containers mm -hmm. with her own logo. And you can tell in one of them, I think I get a shot. Yes, in this, you can see that is, those are absolutely plastic as hell. You can see, Super plastic. yeah, you can yeah. see, you know, exactly. You've seen those in the stores. It's the same plastic you see on toys, on, yep. on cereal containers, on those little barrels you used to drink red from. 
and they and they threw a sticker on it, but she branded everything. She's mm-hmm. very she's very contemporary. Like yeah. branding is is a it's a big part of her shipping business. But I didn't I never noticed that before, which is really funny. Um, she and Cisco banter about transporters for a while, and uh, she knows who he is. They both laugh about how Jake has tried to set them up. And uh, I love this beat. He gets a little nervous mm-hmm. and and doesn't and sort of whiffs. So she asks him out. Uh, I just love the vulnerability from Cisco here. It's mm-hmm. so great. And her too, because she's, she's, she's badass. She's but she, she's, you know, I think she was expecting him and then she what he wasn't what he ex- she expected, but vice versa. Really, really great stuff. No, it's great. I like that. I think they have good chemistry right away. So uh, the next morning on Ferenginar, Rom wakes up to Quark investigating Moogie's actual business. It's not three bars of Latinum. She's running an entire secret business empire. And it's bigger than everything Quark has ever made. And so if he has to make reparations, he is ruined. She has kicked his ass in business which I liked very much. Yeah, that's the best part of this beat is that they don't over-explain it. It's, he very clearly says, oh, it's because I have to cover for her ass and I'm going to have to pay it all back and it's going to ruin me. But I think we both know what it really is about. She, oh, of course. She schooled the shit out of him. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden, like, my mom writes a Broadway show. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> like, great job, know, I- mom, but Jesus. I mean, I'm so proud of you. That's so wonderful, but ah! So Quark is still shell-shocked. And he had to name it No Son of Mine? (laughs) The musical? I mean, to be fair, it would be turnabout because uh, I helped them set up their wireless Mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in the house. And to the, and like, it's gotten complex point. They have no idea how to adjust it or change it. So I named our our wireless at our house. Keith is the best son. Mm-hmm. So anybody who has to go there, including my brothers, have to log in to Keith is the best son, and my parents don't know how to change it. So that's pretty good. I I generally make that my mom's password when I set stuff up. <laughs> exactly. Like... We're such terrible people. Mm-hmm. We're <laughs> we have so little in our lives <laughs> that this is how we fill it. So uh, Rom tries to keep Quark from flipping out, and Quark's solution is to kill her. Of course. So he goes to confront her and finds her running even more business. Oh, that's the shot, buddy, for your uh Oh, that's a good one. Thumbnail. Yeah. Good one. Uh, they keep arguing, and she points out that she is a better Ferengi than Quark ever will be. She is a business savant. And she says Quark is jealous, just like their late father who was not a great businessman and would not take advice from his wife. She says he was a lobeless failure and Quark is going to end up just like him. Oof, shots fired. Well, when you think about it, her point there, and they never explicitly say this, but it's it's so on the undercurrent that it's wonderful. It's sort of the, the, the fuel of the whole episode is if your whole... Society is built on two prevailing facts. Business is all that matters, and those who are good at yep. business are the best. Right. And women are nothing. And oh, then a woman... I, I, I feel like that idea is being represented somewhere in our culture right now. And then a woman... Which, which one it is. And then a woman is the best, turns out to be the best at business. That just upends everything. 
It's all. Oh, it destroys everything. The whole house of cards come a crumbling. Yeah, which is why the stakes are so high for all of Ferenginar in this moment here. Anyway, Quark says, I'm going to the FCA. I'm going to turn you in. Rom tries to stop him. And uh, she points out that she's right about their father. Quark left as soon as he was old enough. Or he points out that she's right about their father. Quark left as soon as he was old enough. He peaced out right away, but Rom stayed another 10 years and witnessed their father sucking at business. Um, another great piece of family dynamics there. I mean, you have the kid that pieces out right when they turn 18, and then you have the one that stays, and the dynamic between the two of them. Oh, it's so complicated. I mean, it's... I love it. It's great. And uh, they get in a giant fight wrestling all over the room, breaking stuff when Moogie comes in and breaks it up. And she tells Quark, go ahead and tell the FCA. Uh, I mean, God, going home, man. Going home is hard. Going home is complicated. The best about part about that is when you're like, I'll speak for myself. I don't want to speak for you, Keith, but I suspect it's similar. You go, you know you're going home. So you mm -hmm. tell yourself for the week, two weeks coming, you're like, okay, I'm going to see everybody. I'm just playing it cool this time. We're not going to talk about anything tragic mm -hmm. or dramatic. I'm going to keep it light. I'm going to drink if I need to. I'm going to do whatever I need to do <laughs> right. to keep it cool. And then within 20 minutes, it's Always. like. <laughs> Always. Always. No, I, I, I've never had that happen before. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> cool. Yeah, never once. So in act five. And I love my family. No, oh, no question. I know, it's funny. Quark arrives at the FCA headquarters, and he went up 45 flights of stairs to avoid the expensive elevator. Funny bit. I love it. He goes up and bribes the secretary to meet with Brunt, and he has to negotiate being allowed to sit. Um, love the little detail work. I think that's great. Yeah, this is also where I started to realize, like, my OCD, for some reason, itched, and I was like, I need to know everything about Ferengi currency now because what's a what's the difference between a strip and a slip a slip a, bar. a strip a bar like i was like well i need to know but it's I, just I, they're different they're different sizes buddy yeah i know but i want to know now but i don't actually want to know because if i get into the weeds of it somebody write a treatise for mike <laughs> explaining Ferengi i'm sure currency. it's on wiki i could just wiki it myself don't do that uh, yeah 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 well but you're not allowed to look stuff up so it's dangerous uh, somebody just put it in the comments so uh, Rom arrives trying to stop Quark from uh, ratting out their mother with a message from Mogi, who says she's going to share the profits with Quark 50-50. Quark immediately says, yup, and heads home. They get back home, and Quark apologizes. Bribing works great, but... <laughs> It turns out that Rom lied. There's no agreement. He just wanted to get them together again. And Rom says, you're both acting like children. Quark has shown as much respect to the Cardassians as he to the Cardassians as he has his own mother. And uh, and to her, if Quark can find your scheme, eventually the FCA will too, and we're all screwed. And he leaves them to hash it all out. I also love that she's made herself like a self-made billionaire, let's say, and is still taking Quark's stipend he's sending home. Oh, yeah. 
She's a Ferengi. I know that's the best part, right? It's like, yeah, she—they are the same. Of course, yeah. and that's what this conversation is about, which I love. So, uh, Moogie and Quark—they talk about Rom. Rom is like their father, not a business person, but sweet, and a guy who values family. And she admits that Quark is like her. She's the one who helped him memorize the rules of acquisition. And uh, they realize, yeah, the reason they hate each other so much is that they are so similar. And she admits that she loves Quark and agrees to confess. Quark says, I love you too, and lies his head down on her lap. Um, there's some things about this scene which I loved, and there's some pieces of this resolution that I don't love. But we'll but we'll talk about it a little bit later because we got to talk about Cisco and Cassidy's date. They go to the replimat and Cisco and Cassidy have their first date. Cisco talks about growing up in New Orleans. It gets a little awkward. Cassidy is distracted. She forgot that she'd already agreed to listen to her brother's baseball game over subspace. Well, she said the magic word. Cisco is immediately. But doesn't she say intrigued. recording? That's the other thing. Like, it's not live. Why she got a piece now? Why are you being distracted? Like, listen to it after the date. That's a very good point. But I guess she's like, she's going to listen to it as soon as it ends up on subspace. But like, yeah, that you're right. That's a it, wormhole. It's a wormhole. And it puts like a sour taste to it because it shows that she kind of wasn't into it. When in reality, I don't think that's what they were trying to impart. It just gave this no. false ticking clock when she could have just been like, she's like, yeah, she's like, blah, 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 blah. I was listening to my brother's game. You know, there was a different way to do it. It a live broadcast. Yeah. And that would have made more sense. Because it puts a ticking clock on it that doesn't exist. Although I think, I think she meant, and maybe I'm just making this up to fix it for myself, but I think she mentioned that there was like a family member they were going to listen to it together. Okay. So there was some sort of a specific time attached to it so she um, but at least i guess we can talk she double booked herself because she's the one who was she, like let's have coffee and then didn't No, she totally did okay she totally did um but that's a that's, a, that's an interesting point but of course cisco loves baseball too and apparently nobody has played baseball in 200, 200 years. years i, I feel know, like we've talked about this before though we did we did with the, the whole buck of it yeah. all um and he's elated to hear there are games being played on Cestus 3. It is, I mean, that's sort of like a wormhole, like, for the show. Like, what happened to baseball? Like, I understand if, like, MMA stopped being done, mm -hmm. but, like, baseball? Well, can we get nerdy about it, Keith? Sure. The nerdy of it is that they establish here at the end of this conversation that they decided that it was best for baseball to keep, uh, to to do away with the designated hitter when actually in 2023 we've decided that the designated hitter is here to stay. Oh, did, did they did they make the yeah. DH for DH both is leagues universal, now? yeah. And oh, it, and it has done everything they wanted it to do. More runs, better games. The DH is here to stay. So that's a future wormhole. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I I I think the the thing that completes the wormhole is I believe uh, they said they stopped doing baseball because it was too slow and we had better things to do. That I buy. No, so, baseball's better uh, now. Baseball's great. And you're just wrong on this. I love baseball. <laughs> anyway, she invites uh, him to go listen to the game with her. They're excited and Jake witnesses it and is excited too. 
So later on Ferenganar, Mugi signs the confession, but can't help to antagonize Brunt just a little bit. And Quark bribes Brunt to keep it secret. Smart. Quark does not uh, does stop his objection to Mugi wearing clothes, showing a little bit of change, and promises to come visit sometime and leaves. So we see some progression there for Quark. He's not he's not there yet, but a little bit, little piece. Then uh, Ram and Mugi discuss that uh, she only admitted to a third of her profits in the confession. My side, she says my goodbye, crashed. and Rom leaves. Well, luckily that's it, buddy. So, uh, yeah. So I've I've thoughts about the conclusion of this, but we'll get to it in our section in our after-show show. We like to call. Okay. Well, we've already talked about it a little bit, but Mike, what were there were there any wormholes in your plot? Yeah, I mean, the baseball thing, that's fun. Uh the the sort of rushed date, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, let's talk about the resolution because I think that is the other wormhole that I guess it's not a wormhole, really. I guess it It's more of a moral question Yeah, okay, it so is let's a, save it then. Like what's the message of the episode? Let's save it. Um Actually, it's a great conversation because we're not parents. Actually, so it's it's going to be there's there's an, there's a voice missing in the conversation. We'll let Andrew yeah. Martin be that voice uh, in this. Hey, in we're the, cat dads. Yeah, that's true. Uh, actually, we'll have to use that anyway. The I don't know why O'Brien, why, you know, as far as up everybody's ass as Odo often is the whole we're going to break into Quarks. I really that. I know that it's just a fun little comedic beat, but it's a wormhole. They wouldn't, they just wouldn't be break. They wouldn't lock pick to get into Quarks to take their dartboard. They wouldn't do that. But they're scamps. Gypsies, tramps, and thieves. And he's probably, and, 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 you know, and we also, they're probably drunk. Yeah, that's true. They're After very, last episode, yeah. they're, they're still uh, a little drunk. Do you have anything else? I think, we, I feel like we we could talk about some of our wormholes. No, the way, I, I think your point, like, honestly, I think your point about the, the taped baseball game. Like I am someone who is makes no apologies mm-hmm. for if there's a live sporting event that I want to watch, I will say no to the thing that you are offering mm-hmm. me. I will prioritize that. That's I know some people hate that about my personality. I've had family hate that about me. I've had people I date hate that about me. I had friends hate that about me, but that's what I am. I'm someone who prioritizes the live thing that I care about. And I don't have kids, so I can go ahead and do that. Uh, however, that's what Keith. If it's well, you taped, do have it, YouTube TV is the best because it it makes sure that if you've set that as one of your priority teams, it will never show you spoiler of the score unless you approve it. So it will never show you even in past games. It hides the score, and you can choose to watch from the beginning. You can choose to watch live, or you can choose to catch up to live through replays of highlights. I mean, that or is. Or I'm going to watch us. it live. Yeah, we're that. And I don't, you know, Mike. I don't care about your christening i'm gonna watch the giants darn it mm-hmm. anyway uh so but if it's taped like you can finish the date 
Yeah, it was weird. So, it was a weird beat because we were supposed to believe that they're having a good time and there's like some sort of a spark there. I think that's yeah. what we're supposed to believe. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so I don't really have much other than that. I mean, there's plenty about the Ferengi society that doesn't make any sense and wouldn't hold up. Yes. But that's not what, it's not the episode. That's mm-hmm. more of like the Ferengis in general. So let's talk about our best moment. Okay. Uh... <sighs> that's tough. There's some... Andrew Martin's really great in this episode. It's it's tough because she's like really carrying a boulder uphill. She has to really speak for the entire march against this like in in, in that ridiculous makeup. Yeah, it's like it's really tough, and 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 they kind of set her back in a couple of things. But I think I think that first scene where they go home, many of the scenes when they go home, but I'll pick that first one because it's it rings so true. And we talked about it ad nauseum, so I won't over overstate it, but it just captures that feeling of despite how far you've progressed or how much you've changed, perhaps, going home around the people, places, and things that were there when you were formulating the goo that will become you, uh, it, it, you it's hard not to revert in some ways. And we see that. Come on, buddy. Go lick the rug or something. Uh and we see that there and we feel it. And I think it's just a really nuanced performance from Shimmerman and company while also being very scene chewy, right? It's like a combination of two. It's, there's a lot of subtext and a lot of subtlety, but also a lot of like just scene gnashing, which is, it's hard to pull off. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, it's, it's that scene between, uh, between Moogie and Quark where they both let their guards down a little bit and actually more her than him. And she's, she is able to acknowledge their similarities and, and that like the things that annoy me most about my parents are usually the ways in which they're similar to me. And, and that like, you know, (laughs) when I get into an argument with my father, we are behaving exactly the same way. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and we are sort of ping-ponging off of each other because we're doing the same thing. Because, you know, one of us taught the other one how to do it. And, and the vulnerability of, like, yes, I see you, right? I see you, and you should see me in this different way. And I think that that was... I love that vulnerability. I love the depth there. Um, and it explains a great deal about why... Rom's relationship with his mother is the way it is, and the way Quark's relationship with her is the way it is. So that's that was my best moment, that little sort of like seeing the key behind this dynamic. So I think it's time now to hand out some stem bolts. You get some stem- There's so much good stuff in this episode, but I just feel like the lift is so hard of of kind mm-hmm. of they're telling I think a very small story about the family dynamic in the midst of come on bud. Man, he's really feeling me today. His mom's gone, that's why. Um come here. Oh man. <laughs> come on. Uh it's hard the juxtaposition against Ferengi the Ferengi culture of it all always keeps me coming back to 
a feeling of sort of whiplash, right? Like a for every inch forward we move, you're like, oh yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of ridiculous. And then she did like, and then even at the end, you're like, okay, so she's she's sacrificing a lot of the her defiance to like have this repair relationship with her sons. But then the wink and nod is, oh, but I kept a third of my Jillians. And I guess we're we're to believe that she made so much that even a third of it is plenty. Well, she kept two thirds. Okay, yeah, yeah. Regardless. But, but like, should she have to give any of it up? Then I guess it was obtained up legally, but then is, should it have been illegal? I guess it's... Well, that's, and, that's, and that's the moral quandary of it. And it's... But, but like, wasn't like three three seconds ago she, or three scenes ago she was like, "I'm happy to go to prison camp if it's gonna prove my point." She's like, she's Gloria Steinem, but then she's like, "But, but she doesn't want to, I guess, rock the boat for her sons." I, I don't know. The morality of it is, it's hard to square the circles. Is kind of where I'm going with it ultimately. But if you zoom in, which I think the episode wants you to do, it, it, the family stuff is great. It's and I think she's also. It's also clear that she's raising this family on her own for a good, good portion of time, and she's been sort of ostracized, and she loves her children, and there's some great relationship stuff between Rom and Quark, and I I think there's some great stuff, great stuff with Ben and his potential new flame, great stuff. I just am loving Ben Cisco right now. I just feel like everything about it is is clicking, as you said it would. So ultimately, yeah, I mean, I don't think the episode as a whole holds up to, like, a ton of scrutiny. But I think mm-hmm. as for what these these Ferengi episodes are, which this one sort of a, is sort of a retcon, right? We're trying to, like, fix some of the just... It's pretty good. You know, I, I don't... I watched it. I was entertained. I, I We've had some really good conversations. It's made us think about family relationships, sibling relationships, parental relationships... Probably deeper than I I did when watching the episode, but you know that's why conversation is good. I I, I can't hate it. I, I think I'm going to give it on a grading scale. I'd give it like a a B minus C plus. So yeah, I'll give it like a 79 self sealing stemples. Yeah, I, I mean I I agree with all of that. I mean my my issue with the episode um, is the what is the message of this. Right, because at the, the go end, home, the go home, if you will. What's what's the go home? Because at, at, at the end, she apologizes to Quark, not the other way around, and she apologizes to Quark for being, for what she did, which is be a Ferengi, to run in business. Now I understand that, um, you know, it is against the law in their society. She's intentionally trying to challenge that law. But by breaking that law, as unjust as it is, she's putting Quark in danger, right? So she's she's putting her family's her family in danger by taking the stand. Um, so I understand why, you know, there's there's a piece of that where she's you know where there's, I think doing it without telling him, doing it without um, you know allowing him some agency in protecting himself in some fashion. Like I get why, you know, you want to, you, you, if you're going to put someone at risk, you want to like at least clue them in, let them know what's going on. Um, but I don't like the fact that Quark doesn't apologize to her. 
I don't like the fact that we resolve this without, um, you know, like the, the, the way to resolve this is for her to confess and they to deal with the legal stuff. But now she's going to work with Clark to do business, Clark, with Quark to do business in secret. Right. And now they're like, they're like a team. Now they're partnering up. And so they, it's not just like, oh, she screwed up. She takes it back. And like, buy, I, I, I don't think you buy back everything by saying she hid some of the profits. I don't think that buys it back enough, um, which is clearly what they're trying to do. Now, is this the end of the story? No, of course. But um, it is. <sighs> It, it does make me question the fact that the bigger issue here, they're trying to spotlight the misogyny, the unfairness of that society. Um, but we kind of, the resolution feels, you know, maybe it's realistic. You know, it is probably more realistic than not, but my aspirational desire is to come up with a better solution that doesn't leave her as the only one who apologizes in this situation. Um, that said... I think that the the relationship, family dynamic stuff, the character development we get in this episode is really strong. Um, I think the uh, learning more about Quark's father and then his mother, it explains, you know, being raised by a woman like this who is so smart and so strong and so, you know, progressive and, and, and visionary in some ways, it explains why Quark is kind of weird for a Ferengi, why he's... Mm. You know, you know, on the station, he's this lug, you know, this wrong-headed lug. But as a Ferengi, he's pretty progressive. He's pretty out there. He's he he is a he, he is a socialist feminist for a Ferengi, even right. though he's kind of a monster. Yeah. And I see he's he's was raised by this strong woman who has influenced him even subconsciously. And then, of course, you know, Rom's relationship to his father and finding out that not all Ferengis are great business people. Not all Ferengis care about the greed. And we've set this up um, with Rom before. And we've also played this out through Nog. Mm -hmm. Right? We learn more about how Nog got to be how Nog was because we've seen two generations behind influencing the development of that character. So I really like... Um, that piece, you know, that piece of it. Um, I think that, um, yeah. So I, I think it's good. I think it's, I think it's a sort of a great family story. I'm not a huge like Ferengi. Like I, I you know, it's not an episode that I look forward to the Moogie ones. But on closer inspection, I like it more. The older I get, the more I like have lived these some experiences. Or I'm like, yeah, no, I'm on board with this. So uh, all of that ends up to me to be 82 self-sealing stem bolts. Now, Keith, can I get real meta for you? Sure. Before we push, and, and this is the best. So you, you, long-time listeners and viewers might know that one of our patrons, patrons, uh, Nikolay Ivanovich Lobachevsky, has been outed as Keith's father. Okay. Mm, mm, yes. uh, this is an, a very maternal episode about recognition where recognition is due. And we often talk about that Keith's mom is a is an avid listener of one of our other shows, KM Geekly. Mm -hmm. Keith, we got a Patreon message mere seconds ago uh -oh. from the aforementioned Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. Which just said Keith's dad and mom. Oh! So we have been uncrediting your mother. 
Oh no! For for years, <laughs> for their patronage. Oh well, to be fair. No, to be to fair, be it's fair. not. The, it's not top tier. Patron. They never outed them. So, yeah, to be fair, it's the lowest level. So there's no hidden profits being exposed. Like nobody's inheritance is in danger. <laughs> <laughs> My brothers are like, well, we're on Patreon. <laughs> no, we go into theirs and they're they're getting fifteen. This is the first. <laughs> I'm calling my lawyer. <laughs> Well, to be fair, the only reason I and knew that it was my father is he used his email address. Otherwise, this would be the first news mm-hmm. that our Russian that, that our Russian patron, our blood oil money, is. Well, uh, I, I should I should have known because that is my father's sense of humor. So oh, uh, very funny. No, and I read it wrong. It says Keith's mom and dad. So I feel like she wants the the assertion that she is the primary supporter of our channel using my father's email you know mom you have your own email so mm. that's that's uh, wow then wow okay well window into the whole world there uh <laughs> if you would like a window into our other shows mike how would they uh what would they be and how would they find them oh keith you would very easily turn off this slot nope you'd turn <laughs> off this slide and you'd turn this one on mm-hmm. and you'd say we also do other shows K&M Geekly look at my Star Trek toys uh, and I'm sure there's something else yes Strange, Strange new, new show. show which is another Star Trek podcast uh, which happens on Fridays is coming up we are we are far not far from the musical episode actually I think we are I think we're like three or four episodes away uh, so we've got that to look forward to lots of fun toys content coming and going and all kinds of stuff happening we appreciate y'all for your watches your listens if you're listening to us on the podcasts, give us a like, give us a subscribe and a review on your podcast podcast feed. It helps. Give us some sort of engagement here on this video. Even if you've had a semi-decent time, engagement helps us get pushed into other algorithms and helps get the view count up, which helps us help you because it's a better conversation for you in the comments. It's not just about us. We really appreciate everybody. Tell a friend. We're having a great time. We hope you are too. Uh, it's just a, a great hour and a half to spend your during your day or during a drive or something. I'm going to stop flapping my gum. (laughs) Do you feel better now, Mike, at the end of the episode? I 100% do. I told you, my misery will be your joy. All right. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you back next week with Shakar. Are we almost season finale time or no? We are uh, three away. Wow, this is a long season. It's a long season. Uh, and and uh, if you're playing at home, Family Business was ranked number 114 out of 173 uh-huh. on IMDb. So we'll see you back next week. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash knm.